0: You're listening to Rampage Radio Podcast. That's
1: how the Rams play football. How do you
0: make that call?
1: I just don't understand that. That's the Rams we know right there. What is he doing? No No shot. No shot. shot.
0: But I want to kind of get into a group a little bit more uh, of of how I do things with with this secondary. a little bit of a running commentary going with Julio out there? Is that just talking back and forth? Kind of a running commentary. It looked like, at least from up above, that you guys were talking a little bit back and forth on the field. Uh, I was talking. I talked every game.
1: Jalen talks crap, for lack of his actual word, every game. Julio Jones is going to get his. You know that going into the game. He is one of the highest paid receivers and one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver, in the game of football today. Jalen Ramsey brings the heat. He's the guy that forced the fumble. That's something Marcus Peters never did. And people are still tripping over the simple fact that the Rams gave up two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick to get this two-time Pro Bowl guy. Which, mind you, the Rams are going to lock up, as I said last week, they are going to lock him up to a long-term deal. Bank on that. And the fact that he is not going to hold out, that's all the more better for you. At least for the Rams, you have to feel good about that. As a fan especially, this front office loves making moves. When was the last time the Rams front office was a wheel and deal type franchise? Before this regime. Not really ever that I can speak of. I don't really know because I don't really go back that far except to 2006. But from what I've read and what I've seen, they haven't been this busy like ever. I love it. And Jalen Ramsey brings you so much intensity. And he is just a dog, as my brother put it last week, out there. That's what this guy is. And I just I can't get over the fact that people are still livid about the two first round picks. I, I looked some stuff up and let me let me share this with you guys. From two thousand eight to 2018 the last 10 years not counting this year there have been 47 total cornerbacks selected in the first round 47 some notable names here for you Malcolm Jenkins Vontae Davis Joe Hayden Devin McCourty Patrick Peterson stud Stefan Gilmore stud Xavier Rhodes good player Marcus Peters Marshawn Lattimore, Akeem Tlaib, and Dominic Rogers camardi are the guys on that list that are notable. Mark Barron, who was drafted in 2012, was also a first-round pick as a DB safety, what have you. We know what he is. So out of 12 quote-unquote notable guys, there are 23 Pro Bowls in 10 years. And the guys that lead the pack out of all those 12 Akeem Tlaib with five, who was drafted in 08. And Patrick Peterson with six. So that's 11 of the 23 Pro Bowls by two dudes. So the point is quite simple, I believe. In the last 10 years, from 2008 to 2018, not counting this previous draft, how many of these guys are you taking in the first round again? Obviously, Patrick Peterson, Stephon Gilmore, Akeem Tlaib, Marshawn Lattimore, is Marcus Peters a first-round pick? Probably. I don't know if Dominic Rogers camardi is. I don't know if Joe Hayden is, Devin McCordy, Vontae Davis and Malcolm Jenkins haven't even made a Pro Bowl yet. So there's like five or six guys that you would redraft and take in the first round out of 47 that are actually worth a first-round pick. That's my point. And you give up two first round picks to get a guy who's been in the league, this being his fourth year, and Jalen Ramsey, who is only 24 years old, and I would argue that I would take him over every one of these guys, every one of them, except maybe Patrick Peterson in his prime. I'd take Ramsey over Gilmore, but don't get it twisted. Gilmore is a stud. He's a very good player. But you really have to like the way that Jalen Ramsey plays the game of football. I can tell you one thing. The Rams love it already. And it's only been one week. He came in with a couple of days of practice. You put him on the best wide receiver in the game. And he does a very good job against that guy. Did he give up a couple of plays? Yes. Julio Jones is going to get his. He's Julio Jones. He's today's Calvin Johnson. So you can't really fault Ramsey for everything that happens on the field. He's going to get beat sometimes. I say that every podcast. Guys get paid. Other guys play. It happens. <laughs> I mean, it's compete. everyone's competing. There's no difference with Jalen Ramsey. But to say that he's not worth two first-round picks, that is absolutely asinine. Throw in the fourth round. Sure. Why not? That guy's a stud a absolute stud he takes away the best offensive weapon arguably on every team get over the two first round picks half these guys don't even pan out in the first place Kyle Wilson was one of the names I saw Kyle Wilson who Patrick Robinson from Florida State as well Come on, man. These guys do not pan out, but you're getting a surefire number one corner who's going to bring it every single game. All right, what's good? This is J-Rob from Rampage Radio Podcast. You can follow us at Rampage Radio Pod on Twitter. We are a part of the Rams Talk Network, which you can follow them at Talk Rams. Be sure to check out Butting Heads, Rams Undisputed, and Rams Brothers. And lastly, Ramstalk.net. All your Rams content, there are a bunch of us out there. There's other people you can check out. We're we're all affiliated because we love the Rams. I had to get that rant off my chest because I am so tired, and it's only been a week of hearing about giving up the two first-round picks. It's it's absurd because you're getting a surefire, legit player in Ramsey, and it's Jalen Ramsey of all the guys. (laughs) How do you not like that? Okay, I'm done with that. Speaking of him, though, since we're talking about him, man, did he perform well the first game. He, Like I just said, he did a good job. And I love the fact that the Rams have blitzed way more than they have, and golly, I'll probably say since Wade Phillips has been here. Now that you have Jalen Ramsey, you can do that. And I love it. I I much prefer the more aggressive defense that they played than they have been with the the soft cover two zone cover three zone it's silly to give up 10 yards because you're playing soft not with Jalen Ramsey that's not how you do it and now you can bring the pressure when your front four don't get home which they do quite often and they did this past week against the Falcons and they should this next week against Cincinnati in London but you can play that kind of defense now how are you not excited about that? The defense is a very good unit. And Jalen Ramsey, Eric Weddle, Aaron Donald, they headline it. And it's awesome. And they have proven that they can stop the run yet again. I don't think it's a facade anymore. I really don't. We have been notorious for not being able to stop the run over the past, I don't know, five, six years or longer. And now you're seeing where they can do that. And one guy that I really like is Troy Reader. That guy has been a baller since he has stepped into the starting role. Sorry, Hager, you're probably not going to get your starting role back. You're probably not going to... You might be off the squad before too long, homie. We don't know that, but Reader has really played that well. And I truly believe that when the Rams drafted Micah Kaiser, the production that Reader has provided is what they saw... Kaiser doing this season before he got hurt. and I really want to point out some numbers to you guys. This is pretty cool that I found fascinating thanks to uh, the guy's handles name is Thomas and he's on Rams on demand. It's underneath the uh, thread called Reader Not Bad in my opinion and I and I really I brought this up because this is really some cool facts right here. All right so the 40 yard dash, the top 10 range for combine for for the combine for inside linebackers is a 458 or better. Reader ran a 462. So he's right outside the top 10. The bench press 225 top 10 range for combine numbers is 23 or above. And Reader was tied with Trenton Bridges for 27. That's a lot. The guy is strong. The top combine mark is like 31. Okay? Then you look at the top 10 range for the vertical. What do you know? Troy Reader leads the pack, 37.5 inches. Duke can jump for a white boy or for a boy in general. <laughs> the broad jump, he's also in the top tier at 124 inches. Top 10 range, 122. So I don't need to keep going with his top 10 and all this. The point is the dude is an athlete. He's played his butt off. And there's no reason that you don't allow him to continue to dominate at the line of a scrimmage. I wouldn't say dominant. He hasn't been dominant. But the guy hardly ever misses tackles. He hardly ever misses a read and which gap he needs to plug up. And somebody was like, I don't remember who it was. I think it was in this thread as well. Someone was like, oh, he looks like James Laranitas, which I completely disagree with. And the reason I completely disagree with that assessment is simply because I do not consistently see Reeder making bad reads, no pun intended, when it comes to chasing down ball carriers five to 10 yards after the line of scrimmage. He's not doing that as much. He's filling gaps, fighting off blocks, and making tackles after a short gain or a tackle for a loss. James Loranitis was not really known to get in the backfield and stuff the run. So Reader is quite different in that way. And the fact that he was undrafted, the Rams picked him up, goes to show you how good the coaching staff is. So it really is his job to lose at this point. He's a sure tackler if there ever was one. And you take a look at the fumble recovery that the Rams made at the end of the punt coverage against the Falcons at the end of the game. Who was that forced by? Huh? What do you know? Troy Reader? The guy deserves all the attention and the playing time that he is currently receiving, and he's going to continue to get those looks because of what he does on the field, period. The defense has been awesome, and in this game, there was no shortage of that. And a good team beats down bad teams, and that is what happened. That is what we anticipated somewhat, and that is what we had hoped to see, especially when you talk about the offensive line, which we'll get to in a little bit. But the Rams' defense coming into this thing, they were 24th in scoring defense, 16th in rushing defense, which that's gone up to about 14th or 13th now, or maybe even 12, and they were 14th against the pass. All right? And speaking of their pass defense, this is where the numbers kind of don't really tell the whole story, but they were 28th, in completion percentage, which is at 71% coming into this game. They were 30th by giving up eight passing touchdowns, which is crazy because they really didn't give up a passing touchdown until like week three or four, which is kind of odd. But continuing, their uh, they're 29th in pass yards per game and 30th in 13 yards per completion. So the passing against the pass... They haven't done quite as well. Well, that went down this week, and I think that's a trend that you will see with this defense, especially now that you have Jalen Ramsey. And when you have a guy like that, then (laughs) that lets you do multiple things, which Wade didn't really tip a whole lot of his hand this game, but you can definitely see how he's going to use Jalen and the rest of the defense from here on out, and that is one word, aggressive. And speaking of aggressive, Dante Fowler had the game of his life. And I am on the the fence, the side of the fence, rather, that you need to re sign this guy. And I know a lot of people may not agree with me, and that's okay. I have no problem with that. And I'm not offended by it. This is nothing personal. You don't ever make things personal when you're talking about sports, that's when people get aggravated and war twitter wars go on and people on forums start yelling at each other and they make it all personal there's no need for that but i think that you have to try and re-sign dante fowler he's still really young he's in his prime he's probably got at least four or five good years i mean he's not a robert quinn in the sense that he's been injured that much although he did miss his rookie season with an acl but that guy has done a he's done a good job guys And some of you may say he disappears sometimes, and I I don't see that. I see a very aggressive player, a guy who wins one-on-ones a lot, a guy who keeps his eyes on the quarterback, bats down passes, things of that nature. The guy's a really good player. And I called it last week that he would have at least two, uh, two sacks this past week against the Falcons. And he had a near sack on the first drive in which Ryan ducked and avoided that one. And he finally gets a sack on the second drive, I say finally. The very next drive, he gets a sack, one of three that he had total on the day, and he should have had four. But the guy was an absolute monster, a machine. And we expected the defensive line to get after this offensive line, which is also in the bottom tier as far as ranking goes against opposing defenses. Which proves that guys like Samson Ibukam and obviously Aaron Donald, Littleton, you have guys getting all over the place. Even Obo Okoronkwo, let me say that again, Obo Okoronkwo, slow it down, was a factor in this game, and when he had his opportunities, he flashed. Well, J-Rob, that's why we shouldn't re-sign Dante Fowler, because we have Obo in the wings, and we'll, we'll probably re-sign Clay Matthews. No, man, listen, Dante Fowler is a stud. That guy is a good player. And I'm sure that this front office can figure out how to retain that guy if they truly want to do so. That's not even talking about the cap raise, the cap raise. The cap being raised as far as funds or restructuring contracts. You're going to have to let some guys go. That's the nature of the business. You can't keep everybody. Because if you could, there would be one dominant team all the time. Which is crazy because the Patriots are that team. But yet, they have a cap as well. So, So, back to the point at hand though. The defense was running around like savages. I mean, just absolute savages. Downhill. Taking people's heads off. Making the right reads. Everything that you would want and expect from this defense at this point in this game against this opponent, they did it. And I posted something on Twitter of a particular play where Corey Littleton got a sack, which I think the Rams had five sacks total, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not looking at the stat sheet. I think they had five. And this one with Corey Littleton, if you go and you watch this thing, watch what Devontae Freeman does. Devontae Freeman, before he got ejected for throwing a punch at Aaron Donald, what are you doing, bro? Before he was ejected, he goes and he tries to pick up the outside pass rusher, which I think is Oboe at this point. I can't remember. So Littleton is watching what Freeman does because he has him in coverage. And so the offensive line is trying to lock up their blocks. Jamon Brown, go look at our Twitter feed at Rampage Radio Pod. Jamon Brown is looking, who knows what he's looking at. There's like five yards between him and the next Ram, and who knows what he's doing. But Littleton sees that there's a hole, and when you see that Devontae Freeman is trying to help out the tackle, Jake Matthews, against the Rams' pass rush, what does Littleton do? He goes and he gets the sack. What does that show you? Instincts. Littleton has instincts, and that's a guy that you probably also going to pay because he's good in this way defense. But they were all over the place. The defense was everywhere. And like I just mentioned, Oboe, he had back-to-back plays where he had QB pressures. And Fowler was, I mean, the whole defense was just stellar. And at the end of the first quarter, you have a first and 10 with 15 seconds left. And what does Littleton do? He blows up Eno Smith and concussed him. Out cold. That is also on our Twitter. Dude blows him up. Eno Smith is never going to win that battle one-on-one against a blitzing linebacker. And you know who else blitzed and played well this game? Taylor Rapp. He blitzed on that same play, which forced Ryan to overthrow Julio Jones because Ramsey was on him, and it was an incomplete pass man-to-man. No zone, not zone coverage, man-to-man. When you blitz, it's typically man-to-man. That's what Ramsey brings you. And like I said, he's the guy that forced the fumble on Freeman towards the end of the first half. And as you get to the end of the first half, the offense stalls. And what does Johnny Hecker do? Oh, he just does a little fake punt with a nice little completion, which he has a 60% completion rating over his career so far for 79 yards and a touchdown. So he just does his thing, doing things that Johnny Hecker does, who was actually my second favorite player to Steven Jackson 39 since 2006. Love that guy. He's a pro bowler if there ever was one. Now, some of his punts haven't been as great this year. I don't want to say he's he's fallen off, but we know he can throw it, and that's a weapon when you have an opportunity to make those calls. So you come out of halftime, And what does the Rams' defense do? Create a turnover with a pick by Littleton. And that is the play where Aaron Donald manhandles Devontae Freeman. (laughs) And and we posted this thing on this picture. There's a guy on Twitter who uh, took a still shot or posted the still shot of the official hovering over Devontae Freeman when he fell down after Aaron Donald lifted him completely off the ground. And it's as if the referee is speaking to Devontae Freeman and says, quote, that was Aaron Donald. He will kill you. <laughs> and that's something that Aaron Donald will do. What were you thinking, Devontae, bro? Like, and, and there's been articles since then where both guys have come out and said, hey, we're just competing. It happens, yada, yada, yada. But in that moment, you have to believe that Devontae Freeman was not thinking correctly obviously ends up throwing a punch and well see you later so now you have two running backs who are out one who gets blown up by littleton and concussed and freeman who throws a punch like a idiot and gets thrown out of the game way to help your team out there buddy but a guy who did help his team out was obviously aaron donald who had another sack they're starting to come together now heads up uh in which he did force a strip. He just ripped it right out of Ryan's hands and injured Ryan, unfortunately. Hope all is well. And then the Falcons obviously get the garbage time touchdown where we had a lot of reserves in. There were a few starters in there. And on their scoring play, I talked so much about Reader earlier. On this play, he makes a mistake. And I think that he may have thought that it was man coverage uh, when it was actually zone. Or vice versa. There was a mix-up, it seemed, when it comes to the mental aspect of the play. And that's why Hooper was able to score an easy pitch-and-catch touchdown um, from Matt Schaub, of all guys. So, uh, you have to be happy about the defensive performance. I think it's fair to say that they really hit their stride in this game. And that's something, like I said earlier, and a couple of times now that we should continue to see in London coming up this next Sunday morning for those of us that are going to be up. Good luck, L.A. fans, for being up at the butt crack of dawn to watch this. But the defense should perform well against Andy Dalton and company because that team is not good, not good at all. And obviously, you look at their record, 0-7, not exactly what those fans were hoping for, I'm sure. So that's the defense. I'm going to come back here in a moment. I'm going to take a quick break. But before we do, let me tell you about Jim Hawk and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams book that he wrote. It features his dad who was a part of the organization and played with a bunch of the Rams legends during that time period. And so be sure you can check that out. I have not read it yet. I probably should. But according to my comrades on Rams Talk Network, they all seem to love it. Um, So be sure to check that out. Again, that's uh, L.A. Rams or the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk, which is also available as a hardback as well as online. Going to take a quick break after this message. Be right back.
0: The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Proud throws it down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Oh, hurry,
1: Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA. Only here. Season
0: begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
1: What's good? Thanks for tuning back in with Rampage Radio Podcast again. I am J Rob, and you can follow us at Rampage Radio Pod on Twitter. Just got done talking about the defense of the Rams. Let's move over to the offense. But before we talk about the offense, let's look at the Falcons' defense against our own offense <laughs> against the pass since Week Three. The Falcons' defense is thirty-first in pass yards per game. They are last in touchdowns by giving up thirteen. They are also last in total quarterback rating of 137.7, allowing last with zero INTs since week three. The season, they are 31st in scoring 26th against the Rush, and 27th against the Pass. So obviously there's a lot of holes to be exposed on the Falcons defense, and that is exactly what the Rams did jerry goff went 22 of 37 with 268 yards and two touchdowns no ints thank god he has 10 turnovers didn't have one this game todd Gurley had 18 carries for 41 yards he's not the same don't care over it what happens he's still ran hard he's still an asset made a beautiful catch which i'll talk about in a second daryl henderson get more touches 11 carries for 31 yards And your big boys primarily receiving the ball was Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Gerald Everett, pretty much everybody. The offense was rolling. What was that accredited to? Well, how about the offensive line doing an okay job? Not a good job, not a great job, an okay job. And that's what they should do against a defensive front like the Falcons. But they still had some issues. No, Jared Goff didn't get sacked. But they still had some issues. And when you look at it, Grady Jarrett, who my brother mentioned last week, was the biggest force that you had to reckon with. And what do you know? Allen and Blythe struggled yet again. But not David Edwards. Not that guy. Look out. That guy may be inserted into the starting role for the rest of the season. Well, he's going to have to be now. That note boom's gone, right? I mean, hello. Why are you saying that, J-Rob? Shut up. (laughs) Duh. That guy played well, though. And it should continue again against this defensive front for Cincinnati. He's a big guy. I did not realize how big that dude was. And he can move. The dude can run. And you talk about screenplays and tosses, things like that. That's a guy you want inside a pool. I'm pretty sure he's faster than Roger Saffold was. And I know that we're missing Roger Saffold because we are. But David Edwards, he did a good job. And I think I saw somebody post this on Twitter. I've been big into the Twitter game. That Reeder was like the highest graded Rams offensive lineman all season so far, something like that. I, that could, I completely could have butchered that. But at the end of the day, the guy graded well and played well against a, you know, weaker off uh, defensive front in the Falcons other than Grady Jarrett. You can see the technique and you can see the instincts in him passing guys off, though. I will tell you that. If you were to go back and watch the game and watch that guy in particular, you will see quite a few plays where he does exactly what you teach. You help with one guy, you pass him off, and then you go and you help the other guy. So in pass protection, the guy has done well. And I didn't really see where he faltered in the run game. I didn't see anything that was really noticeable. I'm sure he made mistakes. I'm sure he may have gotten beater time or two. But I didn't really see anything where you're like, oh, no, that's not good. But that statement that I just said is still very present for Austin Blythe and Brian Allen. Those guys are not getting better. Blythe has taken like 10 steps back from last season. And Allen is just not improving. And again, that's a gamble that the LA Rams front office decided to make. And you're seeing the repercussions of that. You really are. Early in the game, Blythe missed Deion Jones, who was run blitzing. And the Falcons were doing a lot of run blitzes early in the game. And throughout probably the majority of the game. And Deion Jones is an absolute monster at the linebacker position. The guy can run, he's big, he's physical, he can tackle. He's a guy that that is just he's a he's a stud. But he beat Blythe. They ran right by him on this run, on this particular blitz that they had early in the game. And some of you may recall that, but if you don't, trust me. Believe me when I tell you that. I don't you don't even have to go back and look at it. We've seen. The previous games that this offensive duo has struggled with, and the Rams, the first drive, they actually converted three third downs: a one-yard third down, an eight-yard, and a twelve-yard. And they were zero for nine last week against San Francisco, zero for nine. And they <laughs> they convert three on the first drive, and that's with Blythe missing, Deion Jones. So. They can still make plays, even though their offensive line is shaky and will continue to be shaky until those two guys are, I don't know what you're going to do with them. We'll have to just wait and see. But we got to ride with them now. Um, If you go and you look at the uh, the 554 mark in the first quarter, Gurley runs right into the back of Whitworth instead of bouncing outside. And, And I mentioned, man, look, Todd Gurley. We love the guy. We love the guy. Who doesn't love Todd Gurley? But he is—he's—he's he's not what he was. I said I'm over it, done. I, I hate that I have to keep on bringing up Todd Gurley and his health every single game because he makes plays. He—he he flashes his brilliance, just like the touchdown catch that he that I mentioned a few moments ago. That was a dime by Jared Goff and a freaking awesome concentrated catch and staying in the end zone with his feet by Todd Gurley with two guys on him. And but but there's still plays where Todd does he just he's not seeing the holes. He seems like he's trying to bounce it outside when he should be kind of cramming it up the gut or off tackle. He's and he's not trying to beat defenders one on one. It seems like he can't really do that. Now now I'm not I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying it seems that way. And if you go and you look at the five minute fifty four mark in the first quarter, you can see what I'm talking about. He just tries to bounce outside and can't do it. And then you have Greg Zerline who ends up missing the 40-yard field goal and the Falcons are up 3 to nothing. Okay. And Greg Zerline is going to make those kicks. We all know that. We don't have to worry about Greg Z. You know, you the only time you had to worry about him when he was hurt previously, the previous season. That's the only time you had to worry about that guy. But you don't have to. And again, again, I want to get back to David Edwards though. There was as as well as he did play, which he really did, there was a particular play where he he missed a couple of stunt assignments. And like I said, those are going to happen. But it was the roughing the passer call that was absolutely the wrong call. If you are a Rams fan and you are saying no, it was the right call that actually led to points, you are wrong. The roughing the passer that happened to Jared Goff was an absolute great tackle. Fantastic in every way. Textbook. And it was the wrong call. But if you look at the play, Edwards misses a stun assignment. That's what happened. And that was the second and ten at the two at the 12-12 second quarter mark. And if you looking at it, did, did Blythe mess something up on this play? Was there a missed line call by Allen? Like, what truly happened? We don't really know what's happening (laughs) because we don't know what the call is. We don't know what the protection is. What we do know is that Brian Allen and Austin Blythe are not playing well and have not played well all year. And until you truly fix that, you're going to have Jared Goff running around, which, look, McVay has done a decent job of calling more of the quick passes, the bootlegs, getting Jared Goff on the move, with the fake tosses and the you know things like that. And that's what you have to do. And you're lucky that you're not playing a freaking top tier team because we've already seen what happens when that happens. You don't even you can't score. Just like against San Francisco, you can't score because you got too much pressure on those two guys up the middle. Now, granted, San Francisco, I don't know why I always struggle saying that dadgum name. San Francisco has an elite, legit defensive front, but the Rams have played teams who are 5-1, 4-2. I mean, they've played very good teams because of the schedule that they have, and they are 4-3, as we know, but you're going to continue to have pressure up the middle, and that's not going to cease. I don't care who you play against. Because these two guys, Blythe and Freaking Allen, are just not the answer. They're not. And I'm not I'm trying not to dog them. But that's our job, and that's what we do as fans is again, we we take a look and see who are the better players, where are the holes, what type of play calls are We make judgments, we make assessments because we love the game of football. And I can tell you from my perspective that these guys are just not it. They don't have the it factor. They don't, I don't know what it is. I wish I had an answer. And I can bet you that Sean McVay and company wish they had an answer too. But they have to answer for the fact that they did not draft an offensive lion, offensive line, offensive lineman in a higher round. And they're paying for that right now. But that doesn't mean that guys like Rodney Hudson can't come in and help you out after a free agent year. This next, this season coming, this upcoming season rather, free agents are going to want to play here, and the Rams have done a very good job of acquiring good free agents since they have taken over. So that's maybe that may be something that has to happen. But then again, here comes all the other guys, all the other birds out of different corners saying, "Oh well, where are we going to get the money for them?" I don't know. That's not for me to answer. That's for me to sit back and wait and you too. Go to overthecap.com and, and see what they got going if you want to do that. But I can tell you something. There's going to need to be a change in the middle of the offensive line unit. And I look, I, I can't really stress this enough. These guys are not the answer right now. I'm not saying that Blythe can't regain his form. I'm not saying that Allen can't you know, improve and get better. I'm not saying it can't happen, but what I am telling you guys and gals is that right now and this season so far through seven games, they have not been good. The offensive line unit as a whole has not been good. Well, why is Jared Goff struggling? Man, he's regressed too. Man, he's making mistakes all over the place. Man, he he missed a a, a wide-open Gerald Everett 1v1 that would have been a touchdown this past week. Dang, yeah, he does miss some throws. He does. Not every quarterback's going to be perfect. And not even Tom Brady, who I think is the best quarterback to ever do it. But it all starts up front. I've said that, and I'm going to continue to say and preach that because when your offensive line is brutal, how can you expect your quarterback to drop dimes all over the place and be as accurate as you would like when they're running for their life? That is, You can't expect that to be the case. And if that's you, then you really need to take a step back and view the big picture. It all starts up front. You win in the trenches. That's why the Rams were so successful last season. And the reason they've been successful scoring points outside of the 49er game this season is because they still have playmakers everywhere because your window is still wide open. And I don't believe that this regime is the New England Patriots where your window is open forever. I I don't believe that. I don't know that. I, I just don't think that we will ever see a New England Patriots-type team when Bill Belichick and Tom Brady retire. I don't think that we'll see that. I think that's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and it may be a a once-in-a-sport, the NFL thing. I I don't know how to phrase that other than they're the best to ever do it, and I don't think that we'll see that ever again, that type of run and that type of dominance of a quarterback-coach combination. But the Rams' window is open right now, which is why you really have to try to address the offensive line. Because you're not going to beat the Saints of the world, the Seattles of the world, the 49ers of the world if you can't block up front. You're just not going to win those close games. Yeah, you'll still be able to score points, again, because you have playmakers all over the place. And especially like how Gerald Everett has emerged as a weapon in this offense, and he makes people miss more than anybody. That's why you still score points. But if you can't run the ball, how do you expect to go to battle with these teams in the playoff picture? How do you expect to win these grind-out games? You can't do it when you have the offensive line at, or the offensive center position and guard position that the Rams have right now. So you really need to try and figure it out. And, you know, what do I know? What do I know? Maybe they do improve. Maybe they get better, better as the year progresses. And maybe going into the next season, we're, we're, it's a whole different story. I don't know that. But what I do know is that right now, it's not good. So don't try to sell me the fact that people are getting better up there, up front. Because they're not. And that's why Jared Goff has thrown some interceptions and made some mistakes. That's why... Todd Gurley and company can't really get the running game going as much. And yes, yes, I agree that the Rams are definitely pass happy. Again, we know that. We know that they are a pass first team now. But the balance hasn't really been there as much this season. And it's largely due to your offensive line. And after halftime, they actually kind of execute a little bit better with a good balance of run pass attack, and they take four minutes and 25 seconds off the clock, and they go up 20 to three, and now you're feeling like, at least I was because I was there, which was awesome. Now you're like, all right, man, we've got this game. We've already got it. We're way more physical than they are. We have more talent than these guys do, and we're better coached. This should be a win, and when you have guys like Robert Woods making blocks all over the place, and receiving the ball all over the place. Man, you want to talk about a complete receiver? I think that that guy is the best receiver on the squad. I really do. And I think he's arguably one of the best receivers in the game. He's definitely in the top five. He may not have the exact numbers that you're looking for in a top five receiver, but that guy is right up there. And so is Cooper Cup. Those two guys are awesome, and we've got them locked up for a while, man. And some of you are calling for Brandon Cooks to be traded or maybe uh, get rid of some of that salary cap to sign some other guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I know that Sean McVay loves Brandon Cooks, and to be honest with you guys, he is a deep threat, a legit deep threat, and he makes a lot of plays. Has he been concussed, been knocked down, Drop ball? Yeah, sure, okay, whatever. But the guy's a good player. Do I think he's worth this contract? Mm, Maybe not quite as much, but he's a very good, talented receiver, and I think he fits what the Rams want to do very well, and I think he's proven that. So I don't think that they're going to end up getting rid of him, uh, and I'm only commenting on that because I've seen where guys have been calling for that guy to be traded or something to uh, make more moves and extend other guys. But... Again, the, back to this game with the Falcons, man, it, 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 there's not a whole lot to say about the offense, except your offensive line is still very, very suspect and questionable. You still have all the studs on offense that you're going to have for the rest of the season, so you should be able to put up points from here on out um, at, at a pretty good rate. Uh, especially again with like Woods and Cups, and all. we all know the players. I don't have to tell them who they are. Uh, but I will say this: I did see say this earlier about Todd Gurley not really knowing what the Nina. I know I bring it up every game, and it's it's very um, logical of why you bring something like that up. But to me, it kind of seems like Todd's running a little bit harder right now. I, I don't know if that's truly the case, but I think this game was the hardest I've seen him run. Compl- as a complete game with the amount of carries and touches that he's gotten. Now, like I said, he's still not really making guys miss one-on-one like he was, and he's still not the guy who's going to receive the ball out of the backfield eight times and, and bust wide open for big gains. That's not who he is right now, but it does seem that he's running harder, at least this past game, than I've seen for the uh, the previous games this season. I'm not sure about that, but um, I did want to comment on golf about one thing. Uh, the, the throw to... Reynolds in the end zone needs to be a jump ball not not a back shoulder throw doesn't need to be behind him any you need to throw that ball up you have one-on-one coverage take it to the back pylon back corner pylon throw it up and let him go get it that's what Reynolds kind of is and although we've seen him progress a little bit in the past season uh, due to Cup being out you gotta you gotta throw that ball up in the air and let him go get that ball and I think I think if golf had that one back that's probably what he would do, but you know there's not much left to say as a fan you gotta be happy with the performance that the team as a whole has probably been the most complete performance that they've had uh you know, to date right now I think you gotta be happy about that and this week you should be smiling again at about if you live on the Pacific coast you know I don't know. 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you should be ear-to-ear after a Rams victory. Whatever the time is, I don't know, don't care. Not a math guy, didn't really look up the, the game time and how it relates to the time zones, but the point is if we should all be smiling again because Cincinnati's terrible, and you should beat them like a drum, and your defense should have four sacks again. I mean, they had five, but they should have four. So, Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. I'm trying not to worry about the offensive line. I'm really trying not to worry. But I really, truly think in order for the Rams to make the playoffs at this point and to excel in the playoffs is you got to fix your, your right guard and your center position, whether that's improvement, whether that's replacement, whether that's free agent, whether that's a trade. Don't care. It has to get better because if it don't, that's exactly what you're going to be pointing the finger at at the end of the season. And in February, when you're looking over your roster, you're trying to see what's, what went wrong, what went right, you're going to point to Blythe and to Allen. And you're going to say, what happened here? Did it improve? What changes do we need to make? That's what's going to happen. Thanks for tuning in to Rampage Radio Podcast. Checking me out. Checking us out. Got to get my brother back on this show, dude. I mean, our schedules are so jacked up, man. But the show is definitely better, as I said last week, when he's on here. Jay, get back on the show. Let's figure it out, bro. Gosh. Anyway, thanks for checking us out. Here's to a victory coming up against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, hopefully. I hope you guys have a good weekend. Bless you guys, and we'll talk to you later. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Rampage
0: Radio Podcast.
1: The NBA is back. Where else can you get
0: this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the rafters? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Oh, hurry, action.
1: Where else can a city this loud be this left on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh, oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only
0: here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.